0: Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with senior ministers John and Ann Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. If you have your Bibles, Turn to Psalm 139, one of my favourite psalms in the Bible. How many of you love Psalm 139? Oh, let me tell you, you you need to read it over and over again. There's one verse that I just want to pull your attention to. It's verse 14 of Psalm 139 and it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Put your hand on your heart and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. made. Now turn to the person next to you and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's pretty scary when you look at them and think, wow, you are fearfully and wonderfully. What it means is this, is that there is nothing simple There's nothing simple about you. You are an incredibly complicated creation of God. We've only got one life to live, folks. We've only got one life. Come on. I I don't believe in reincarnation. The Bible doesn't teach reincarnation. And I think if you believe in it, then you miss out on maximizing the one life that you have. So don't waste this one life. And spend eternity in regret. I, I, I don't want to be sitting in heaven thinking, wow, I regret this. What a waste. I wasted years. I wasted this. I wasted that. Come on. While there's life in, while there's life in your spirit and there's breath in your lungs, it's never too late to maximize the gift that God has given you, the gift of life. So what I want to do this morning is share with you four things that you need to discover. Four things every human being needs to discover. Are you ready for this? Four things. The first thing that you need to discover is this, what I shared with you. You are a divine creation. You need to discover that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. See, if you don't believe that, then there's only one other alternative, and that's you're part of a cosmic accident. And if if you believe that you're part of a cosmic accident then it takes away the deep meaning of life. It takes away, you know, if you consider you're just a speck in billions and billions of years, in the whole scheme of things, how does your life matter in the whole scheme of things? And can I just say that that indoctrination is creating suicide amongst a whole generation of young people that just don't believe their life is worth anything. When when you when when you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, when you believe that God puts you together, when you believe what Psalm eight verse five says, that God made you a little lower than Elohim, just it's it's an amazing thing. Psalm eight five, the psalmist used the word Elohim, and how many of you know Elohim is one of the names of God. But not even the translators could get this right. Even the translators could not believe that God created us a little lower than himself. And so they substituted the word Elohim with angels, dignitaries, high beings. Because it's like a concept that's a little bit too high to grab hold of. But it's really clear in Genesis that God created us in his image. We are the epitome of God's creation. And what a wonderful thing it is to instill that thought into young people's lives. How many young people do we have here? Give me, a, give me a wave if you're a young person. There's a lot of people putting their hands up by faith. I can see that. By faith I lift my hands. But what a wonderful thing it is to grow up in an environment where you were told you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that you were made by God a little bit lower than the angels, and you were crowned with glory and honor. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to see yourself with the eyes of God and see that you're a divine creation. And when you understand that, then you understand that your life has purpose, your life has meaning, and there are eternal consequences to your life you know what? I can honestly say that being brought up with that idea has impacted my life immeasurably. When I begin to, you know, even as a teenager, I began to understand that my life has eternal consequences. I, I, just, I just got it that my decisions had eternal consequences, especially in the realms of evangelism. Wow, that 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 was so clear to me as a kid growing up. That every soul that I led to Christ had eternal impact. I, I just got this vision of, of of people coming up to me in heaven, shaking my hand, saying, "Thank you for sharing the gospel with me," because I'm here today only through the fact that you shared the gospel. With me, and it's got eternal consequences to live your life understanding that what you do matters eternally is very, very powerful. So, that's the first thing that we need to discover is that we are a divine creation, and if God created us, we need to stand before God one day and give an account. Which brings me to the second thing that we need to discover, and the second thing we need to discover is Jesus. Many of you, how many of you remember the day you discovered Jesus? Give me a wave. And if you haven't yet discovered Jesus, maybe today is your day where you discover Jesus. See, for us, Jesus is not just an historical figure. For us, Jesus is not someone who divided history in BC and AD. Jesus is our personal savior. Jesus is someone with whom we do life. Jesus is real. To me. And and you know what a beautiful thing. We teach our kids the importance of discovering Jesus. How many of you went to Sunday school when you were a kid? How many of you went to Sunday school? You know one of the sad things that's happening in Australia today is there's a the whole generation that's never been to Sunday school. When I was in Sunday school, I learned this song. Simply went like this. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible. Little they are weak, but he is strong. Here we join me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. What incredibly deep theology that is. Two most important factors of that song that young people get put into the depths of their spirit is, Jesus loves me. And the Bible is the truth that gives me that message. Incredible foundations on which to build your life. And how sad it is for generations that do not have those two foundations. And so consequently, they are looking for other foundations on which to build their lives. And I want to say to you that every other foundation is a faulty one. It has cracks in it. It will not hold you. But those two foundations, Jesus loves me and the truth of the Bible, those two foundations will never, ever let you down. And you've got to discover that. And so we, we, we are committed in this church to make sure that your children discover that. We are committed in this church and, and, you know, with our youth pastors to make sure that you young people to discover that truth. And what a wonderful thing it is for you, if you've never discovered it as a child or as a young person, as an adult, to discover Jesus, the Savior of the world, who won, who gave his all for you. second thing to discover is Jesus. Let me tell you the third thing to discover. What was the first thing to discover? You're a divine creation. What was the second thing to discover? Jesus. Let me tell you the third thing that every human being needs to discover And that is, you need to discover your spiritual home. Everyone needs a spiritual home. Once you've discovered Jesus, you need to be connected to the body of Christ. You cannot do Christianity in isolation. You cannot fulfill the commands of Christ in isolation. The New Testament is filled with commands of one another. And so there are over 50 commands in the New Testament of one another. You have to love one another. You have to forgive one another. You have to care for one another. You have to serve one another. So many commands, which is discipleship, the journey that you cannot do alone. You have to do in community. I love the scripture in Psalm ninety-two thirteen. It says, "Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of the Lord." Yeah. Can I just say to you, every single person who's discovered Jesus needs to find a spiritual home where they can flourish. Yeah. Let, let me be frank with you. Can I be frank with you? Let me be frank. Because I'm a pastor, I've been a pastor of this church for 23 years. But before being a pastor, I'm a kingdom person. And being a kingdom person, I want you to flourish. And you know what I've discovered over the years? I've discovered that not everybody can flourish under my ministry. There might be mannerisms that I have that that just great. There might be... Things that I do that might grate. And, and, and so it, it just creates angst. And, and so you know what God's done? He's created lots of churches. There's, there's, there's lots of things. I, I just had someone that I spoke to this past week. I love him. He says, but I can't come to your church because I just don't get the speaking in tongues business. And I said, we don't force it upon you. He says, yeah, but you believe in it. I said, yeah, of course. I'm Pentecostal. I believe in speaking in tongues. He says, but I don't. And I think the people that do that are crazy. I say, well, that creates a problem, doesn't it? I said, you know, but us crazy people are winning the world to Jesus. Uh, it's when the Pentecostal churches started to really get oomph that we've seen mass evangelism take place on the earth like never before. And in the last hundred years where Pentecostal churches are flourishing, more people have been saved than all of history put together. So we might be doing something right. He says, yeah, but I just can't get, and I said, well, that's okay. He says, my other problem is I can't find a church that I like as much as yours. <laughs> so, so it's like, I, I, I'd love you to change this, and my attitude is, no, 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 no. If you want to come to our church, it's the way that it is. This is the way. We're not going to change it over one person. You know? But you need to find a place where you can flourish, Where where you can just blossom, where not only you can flourish, but your kids can flourish, your young people, your family, your marriage, everything flourishes. When you're planted, you've got to flourish. And can I just say to you, if you're looking for a perfect church, you've got a huge problem because you're not going to find it. And if you do find it, whatever you do, don't attend. Because as soon as you do so, you've wrecked it. <laughs> it's not perfect anymore. You know, and, and you know what? God never gives perfect leaders. Well, he did. He only gave one perfect leader and they crucified him. So, so no church ever gets a perfect leader. But do we do life together? Are, are we willing to apologize when mistakes are made? Are we willing to love? Are we willing to care? Are we willing to stand up for truth and righteousness? Those sorts of things. You've got to find, I call it your tribe. You've got to find your people. You've got to find the people that your, your soul resonates with. You've got to find that. And, and when you find your people, your soul sings and you say, wow, we can do life together because we're supportive of each other. So can I, can I share with you, when you find that place, there are three things that you need to do things. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I think, in chapter 4, verse 12, a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so what we need to do is that there are three things that we need to do to really become part of it. Number one, attend church. Attend church. Make Sunday the Lord's Day where you attend. I, I, I don't know, both Anne and I, a third generation, uh, Pentecostals, we were brought up with Sunday is the Lord's day. It's not sports day. It's not you know um, uh, you know going out day. It's the Lord's day, and it's like this. That's it. It's like we get up and we go to church. We don't know anything else. It's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. We go to church. What a wonderful thing it is to grow up in a culture that says Sunday is the Lord's day. We go to church. And uh, what a beautiful thing it is in this church to have an early service at 9 o'clock. For those that... How many of you are early birds? Well, that's why you're at the 9 o'clock service. (laughs) The people that like to sleep in, they're at 11 o'clock. And uh, that's all right. Because I've got people that say, Oh, thank you, Pastor John. We don't get to sleep in at all except for Sundays. Thank you for putting on the 11 o'clock service. Then other people say... I love the nine o'clock service because we can do church and then we've got the rest of the day to do family stuff. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. So attend church. And when you attend, don't just come and go, but hang around. And that's why we put food on and we put stuff on and there's foyer and there's people everywhere. Connect. You've got to connect. So come to church. That's the first thing. The second thing is you've got to go to connect groups. Connect groups, and we're going to be talking about this not next week, it's Vision Sunday, not the following week, which is Serve Sunday. It's the week after, connect groups, and we're going to give you a whole bunch of connect groups to look at. But connect groups is where you do life. Connect groups is, is the small church. So we've got a 1,000 people in our church. Can I be honest with you? I don't even know the names of all the people in our church, but somebody does. To be honest with you, I I wouldn't know uh, on any given Sunday the thousand people that are here and those that are not. I I, I wouldn't, but somebody knows. That's the beauty of connect groups, that somebody knows. It's impossible for me to touch everybody personally. I do my best and does the best, but it's impossible for us to do so. It's impossible for me to visit every single person that's sick in our church or every single person that's needy in our church. But if you belong in connect groups, you do. And this week we had had someone in our church get broken in. Thieves came and stole their life savings and possessions and... And, uh, and, and you know what, the connect group gathered around and, and they immediately were there to support, to give that support, to give that strengthening. And, and it was just such a comfort. I mean, when, when grief comes, it's, it takes so much away. But to have people around you that love and care for you and are there to say, what can we do to help? It's so powerful. And that's where a big church like ours becomes such a small church in connect groups. So our stats say that about half of our church right now belongs to connect groups. But my goal is everyone, every single person belonging to connect groups. So so if you want to become part of our church and go deeper, then you need connection. And connection on so many different levels. And the third thing that we need to do is attend church, belong to a connect group. And number three, start to serve. Start to serve. Find a place of service. Find a place where you can integrate something of your gifts. Now, there's service and there's ministry. So service is car park duty, helping out with the cleaning, uh, hosting, all, all those sorts of things. Ministry, we just got to test you first before we let you loose with our young people or with our children or with leadership at any single level. We just, we just got to find that you're of our culture, of our spirit. So, you know, there's a bit of a process involved in getting involved in ministry. We're not going to give you the mic to lead our worship unless you know, we know that you've got our spirit and you're worshipping the way that's the culture of our church. So, so just understand that there's service and ministry, but we'd love you to get into service straight away. Service straight away. And uh, there's, there's something that, you're, that you can get involved with straight away. And so this questionnaire... Gives you some insight as to the gifts that you have. Because we are really committed to helping you not only find your service but also find your ministry. And, and we want to see you develop in that. Which brings me to the fourth discovery. So the first discovery is you got to discover that you're a divine creation. Number two, you've got to discover Jesus. Number three, you've got to discover your spiritual home. And number four, you've got to discover your spiritual calling. There's a spiritual calling upon your life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, "For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." That God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What we've got to understand is that there is a predetermined story for our lives. Everybody say predetermined story. A predetermined story. See, my life is not chance, 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 chance. My life is this pursuit of the God calling, the predetermined story. Psalm 139 also talks about the book that God wrote about my life. That that verse is specifically verse 16. There's a predetermined story. God wrote the John Juliano story before I was born. He wrote it in his book. And and, and the goal for my life is to align myself with the John Juliano story that God wrote. For my life, you know, my 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 dad had a John Giuliano story in his head. He, I mean, when he migrated from Italy to Australia, he had a dream for his son, and and his dream basically involved a story of success, a story of prosperity, a story of education, and uh, he he just wanted his son to be university trained university educated. It was something so far removed from his potential that he wanted to come to a new land where his son could have what he lacked. And so he had a story. But God also had a story for my life. And I remember when I was 18 years of age, my father's story and God's story were going in two different directions. My father wanted me to pursue architecture and become an architect my, my, my God wanted me to pursue the ministry and become a pastor. And it was like, oh man, so, so what do I pursue? And, and then when, when I started pursuing the God calling, I had all these people tell me how stupid I was and how crazy I was and how I was throwing my life away. Well-meaning people. But you know what? Everybody's got an opinion. How many of you know that? Everybody's got an opinion. Every decision you make, someone has an opinion. So what are you going to do? I love all of our Asian people, you know, I I just love, I love Asian culture, but you know what, the the reason that we love each other is because Italian culture and Asian culture is very similar. So for those of you that are Asian, I guarantee your parents only had three vocations for you, was either a doctor, an accountant... Or a lawyer. There you go. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's like there's only three vocations. I, I love the fact that uh, that for every Aussie, if they get a B plus, that's considered fantastic. But for every Asian, not good enough. Not even an A is good enough. You have an A plus, and that's good enough, okay? Because we want people to succeed. Yeah, A double plus, okay. <laughs> We want people to succeed, but God wants us to succeed and our success is found in the pursuit of the calling of God. Matter of fact, that brings us the most success. Why is that? Because God planted within us gifts that are connected to our divine calling. I want to say that again. God placed within us, while we were being formed, gifts, abilities, that are connected to our divine calling. If I look around this room, I see every single person in this room with a divine ability. There's not one person without a divine ability. I don't care how educated or how uneducated you are. It's, it's irrelevant to the calling. It's irrelevant to the gift. It's, a, it's irrelevant to this capacity that you have. It's an amazing thing. Like My wife has an incredible gift of organisation. My wife has it, my sister has it, my daughter has it. I'm surrounded by women that have the incredible gift of organisation. And I'm, I'm a bit spontaneous. How many of you are a bit spontaneous? And organised people hate spontaneity. They want one year's notice for spontaneity okay, in one year's time, we'll be spontaneous. Let me write that down in my diary so I'm prepared for the day and they start to have a nervous breakdown. I wonder what that spontaneity means because I want to be organized for it. Hello? And so you don't don't fight that. Why fight it? You go with it. You just say, okay, we just need to prepare you we just need to talk to you but you need to leave room for us to be us and that's what makes life so exciting when everybody's able to put their gifts together and uh, you know just amen how many of you say that's amen 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 I love that when it comes to calling though, it's a scary thing why is that because God trusts us more than we trust ourselves God believes in us more than we believe ourselves. God thinks that we can do more than we think. God thinks that we're able to go beyond what we are. And so when God comes knocking at our door with divine calling, we make up excuses. How many think Moses is probably one of the greatest leaders that's ever walked this planet? Moses is recognized in three of the world's great religions. He's great religions. Let me me rephrase that. Moses is recognized in three of the world's religions. Okay. He's recognized in Christianity. He's recognized in Judaism. And he's also recognized in Islam. But Moses... At the crossroads of his calling. How many of you remember on, on the mountaintop with the burning bush where God calls Moses? I mean, he's 80 years of age. 80 years of age, most people, they are well into retirement. They are well... And Moses was well into... He was happy looking after a few sheep. He was happy living in the wilderness. He was, he was happy just living with his father-in-law, Jethro, and, and raising the kids and the whole thing. And God comes knocking at his door and says, Hey, Moses, you haven't entered into your divine calling yet. Oh, I, I'm well and truly over it. You need to go back to Egypt and release my people from captivity. When you read Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4, you can focus on the divine calling, which is just a few verses, or you can focus in on the rest of the chapters, which is all the excuses that Moses made. Or, I mean, he came up with every excuse that he could come up with to sort of say, I can't do this. First of all, his first excuse is, Well, well who am I? I'm just a slave's kid. Who am I? I'm just a slave's kid. Who am I? I'm just a migrant's kid. Who am I? I'm just dot, 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 dot. But you know what God's response to every single one of Moses' excuse, every excuse that Moses made, God just gave him one simple answer. And here's the answer. But I will be with you. But I will be with you. But I will be with you. And I love this about God. He never calls us into something without accompanying us through it. But I will be with you. But I will be with you. I want you to put your hand on your heart. I want you to say this. God will be with me. He will never abandon you. He will never, ever let you go. He will never let you go. I will be with you. Same deal when you get to Judges chapter 6 with Gideon. Come on, Gideon. Stand up in this power of might, this power of yours. God's going to use you to release the, the children of Israel from their captivity. Who am I? I'm the least in my family. My family is the least in our tribe. Our tribe is the least in Israel. Who am I? And he's God's answer to Gideon. But I will be with you. And right throughout the Bible, He's God's confidence that He wants to put into your spirit. When He asks you to do something, I'm going to be with you. Right into the New Testament. I love the New Testament where the great commission is given to, to the disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you come on come on god never asks you anything and abandons you in the process whatever god asks you to do he will be with you come on musicians can come forward because i just need for you to get hold of this that when you discover your spiritual calling it's scary and you will and and, and you will always ask how can this be as Mary asked, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I'm not known a man. The power of the Holy Spirit. God's going to be with you. He's going to enable you. He's going to make it happen. I was 18 years of age when God came knocking at my door saying, John, I'm calling you to be a minister of the gospel. 41 years ago. I had no idea what that entailed. I had no idea. God, I got no idea how this is going to happen. And God's message to 18-year-old teenager, John Giuliano is I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. 41 years later, I can look back over four decades of faithfulness. And God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. Ever, ever, ever. Oh, There are times when I was ready to quit. There are times when I was ready to walk away. There were times where I'd ran out of tears. There were times when my heart was broken into a million people, million pieces because it felt like a million people. But the fact is that God never left me and now I'm about to turn 60 in a few weeks time and it's not over yet. Matter of fact, my most fruitful decade is about to dawn. and I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about it next week on Vision Sunday What God spoke to me and said, you can either slow down or you can speed up. I thought, God, let me speed up. Let me get me fit. Let me go faster. Let me get a faster car. No, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Can't have a faster pastor. But... Uh, But we're gonna speed up, we're gonna do much more. Why is that? Because my time on planet earth is starting to get to that second phase. And so but you know what? I've got all the wisdom now of many decades and and, and, and the confidence that he that started this thing is gonna finish it. If you wanna to come to this church, we're not gonna encourage you too much to be a pew warmer. We're gonna encourage you to get involved. Now, in, in the initial days, just stay there relax, catch catch our vision, catch our culture. I'm not going to force you into the deep end immediately. but you got to understand this that we believe that every single person has a divine calling. And sometimes we've got to get through the wounds and the hurts and the disappointments and the failures. But you know what? we're not going to look backwards, we're going to look forwards. We're going to use every single one of those hurts, those disappointments, those failures as a stepping stone of wisdom into the next phase. We are not going to define you by your past mistakes. We're going to define you by the call of God that's upon your life. God defines you by the call of God that's upon your life. When when he came knocking at my door in 1978, he says, Arise, stand on your feet because I've appointed you to be a minister of the gospel. God defined me by the call of my life. John Giuliano, you were called to be a minister of the gospel. 41 years later, I'm still fulfilling that mandate. And you know what? Nothing gives me more satisfaction than fulfilling the divine mandate upon my life. Can I say to you that nothing will ever give you the satisfaction of fulfilling the divine mandate upon your life. You, you might be a father. You might be a mother. You might be a parent. You might be whatever. But, and, and, and I am as well. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm, I'm a friend. I'm a brother. I'm a son. But on top of that, I'm a minister of the gospel. It's not as if one obliterates the others. It's all connected, the divine calling. What's yours? Would you help us to help you find it? Would you help us challenge you? And you know what? If you sit there and you say, it's too hard, you know my attitude is? You're in good company. Everybody says that. But he's the answer to it's too hard. God will help you. God will help you. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say, God's going to help me. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Anne Iuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the LifeSource Christian Church Audio Lounge.